Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, let's give it up for those baptisms again. Amen. A few quick announcements to make. First, uh, many of you are aware of the um, Supreme Court decision regarding uh, Roe versus Wade. Um, As people of God, we always celebrate life, but we believe as kingdom people that we have to have a vision of whole life, not just for the child, but also for the mother. Some of you may not be aware, but we support a ministry called Young Lives. That is a ministry, praise God, for Young Lives. Uh, Give it up, give it up for that ministry. Um, That's a ministry through, that is a ministry through a ministry called Young Life, but they have a ministry called Young Lives, and that really celebrates uh, and supports young teen moms. We want to support women, um, regardless of getting out of the political conversation. We want to support women. So um, in July, uh, we will be uh, raising money for the Young Lives Lives, uh, ministry. And so, um, wait, Young Lives, no. The Young Teen Mom Ministry, praise God. Um, And we're going to be raising money for them in July. So uh, we are not going to get boxed into anything political. We are going to support women. We're going to support them through any decision they make. But we we celebrate uh, life in the womb, but we also celebrate lives outside the womb. We celebrate people who are dealing with health care, people who are dealing with education. And so with that in mind, we're going to be raising money for them in July. Second thing to note... um, we had the hangout any yesterday. Did anybody go to the hangout? Praise God. Yes. That was for singles. And uh, so those of you that are single, I hope you enjoyed yourself. I don't know what happened after the ministry that day. Uh, it was called the hangout, not the hook up. I, we could not. We can only lead the horse to water. We can't make them drink. We can only put you in the gym. We can't make you shoot. Praise God. So, uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, people ask, when is it again? We're doing it again a year from now. So all hangouts have to be self-induced from here on out throughout the year, all right? Speaking of that, I am, uh, after this week, I will be gone for this month. I take a month off every year as a means of, uh, I just have to be a child of God for a little while. Praise God. And so one of the things that we try to model is the fact that um, pastorally, uh, pastors have limits. And so we want to be able to express that um, through giving us time off. During that time off, though, I get the unique right and privilege to celebrate 19 years of hanging out with somebody. So why don't you come up here, baby? Would you give it up for my wife of 19 years? <laughs> so we, when we go away, 
Uh, we do it so that we can just get out of the, you know, the, uh, the ins and outs of ministry and just be together, be with our family, and then come back rejuvenated to support you guys in uh, uh, all, the, all the weddings that are going to happen from the hangout. We want to support you. <laughs> uh, but uh, as I get ready to pray for this sermon, would you pray for us and pray with us uh, as it's uh, a moment for us uh, you know, it, it goes without saying we, we've tried to box this and package this the best we can dealing with the uh, moving to another space. But that was hard, man. You know, uh, making that we had to make that decision in two days. That was hard. And so we do as we move over to that next space, we ask for your grace as we've had to make quick decisions and uh, we will be thinking about relocating um, but the reason why we're not on this ro- relocation, like, let's find a new place, because I need time off. Praise God. We just, we just need time off real quick. Um, and so when we come back in August, we'll be looking for new places, things like that. But would you pray for our rest in July? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for 19 years of supporting one another, loving each other, and 19 years of ministry. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to rejuvenate us strengthen us. Give us your perspective about us. Give us your vision for our lives and unleash us into years and years and years more of glorifying you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up again for my beautiful wife. We started this series off talking about Adonijah. If you remember, the story is Adonijah was the son of David, and Adonijah wanted to be king, but he was not called to be king. Solomon was called to be king. So what happens is Adonijah actually keeps telling himself, I should be king. So Adonijah, what he does is he sets up this entire chariot and triumphal entry to be able to say, I should be king. And what we said in that message was that in our culture today, there is a spirit of Adonijah, this spirit and desire where everyone is feeling pressure to say, I should be. I should be leading. I should be seen. I should be up there with everyone else. And there is this pressure on us. That, that, that spirit was in the disciples saying, who will be the greatest? And that spirit is amongst us. That pressure to be top 40, under 40, top 30, under 30, to be now, to be next. And I know you feel it. As pastors, they feel it. As leaders, you feel it. You feel pressure to be now, to be next. And what we said was, that one of the ways you cut through that pressure is we looked at Solomon and how Solomon honored God, not only with his wealth, but with the temple of God. And he honored him in all things. But then what we looked at too was how Solomon drifted away from God. That slowly but surely his heart turned away from the Lord. And in that turning away, it was a slow drift. It wasn't quick and it wasn't overnight. Well, this last message in this series, we're going to be looking at someone named Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet of his day. After Solomon sins and he drifts away, 
with 700 wives and 300 concubines. The kingdom of Israel is torn out of his hands. And unfortunately, the kingdom is torn into two. And so what you end up having is the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And they have two different kings. And as these two different kings and two different kingdoms are set up, you see good kings being raised up and good kings going down, elevated and being taken and dethroned constantly. And from these two kingdoms, you will eventually see a king get raised up in Israel, and his name is Ahab. And Ahab begins to do something very similar to Solomon. Because with Solomon, we saw that his heart got turned away because of women, because of his fellowship. In the same way, Ahab would turn away from God because of his wife. Now, his wife is a name you've probably heard. You don't name your children this, but her name is Jezebel. Ain't no kids named Jezebel. If I meet you, your name's Jezebel, I just pray over you right now. Because the reason why Jezebel is considered a Jezebel, similar to like Judas, Jezebel not only turns Ahab's heart towards idolatry, but she kills off prophets. And she has a systematic way in which she has decided she will now exalt the Baals, meaning the, the different idol gods within Israel. She has a plan to destroy the God called Yahweh in Israel. It is with this plan, this systemic plan, that Elijah gets raised up to turn the people's hearts back to God. Now, church, this is what you must know and must realize. The people of Israel never stopped worshiping Yahweh. What they did was they decided, we'll worship Yahweh plus the Baals. And the reason why Baal, Baal is just a term meaning the Lord of. So you had Baals for crops and Baals for rain and Baals for storms and Baals for sexuality and Baals for strength and Baals for, these are all the Lord of, these are all gods. And so what they wanted to do was worship the one true God and have a Baal on the side. And what they were essentially saying was, I want to keep my fidelity and relationship with God, but I got to get these crops because I got to get my business. So I'm going to worship Baal and Yahweh. And Elijah is raised up for one reason alone, to help the people of God know that there is no such thing as God plus. It's God alone. You see, God is a jealous God. And oftentimes when you hear that term jealousy, you think of it in the negative connotation. And yes, there are people who are jealous and jealous in a sense where they want time and they want affection in ways they should not have. But there is a righteous jealousy that exists, amen? Because I like to be funny and humorous. And every now and then, 
I might just be joking with one of you. Say I'm joking with a young lady and I'm just making her laugh. Ha, 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 ha. This is so funny, funny, funny. That's cute. That's funny. And she's just laughing at things I'm saying because I'm humorous. My wife has every right to come over and be like, what y'all laughing at? <laughs> I like to laugh. <laughs> Put me in on the joke. <laughs> she has every right because I'm hers and she is mine. And there's such thing as a righteous jealousy when it's yours. And God will not have a plus one. It's God alone. Not just God as priority, God in, God in exclusivity. And their church is a difference. And Elijah is raised up to show the people that God wants to be worshipped alone. And here's my challenge to you, because so many of you have this desire to be leaders. So many of you have this desire to stand out. So many of you have this desire to be platformed, to be seen. My desire, and I believe God's desire for you, is to trade in the spirit of Adonijah that is constantly wrestling, saying, am I next? And to trade it in for the spirit of Elijah that is raised up in your generation to tell the world, I'm here to show you what it's like to worship God alone. The only reason I have this platform is to put God on display through my skills, through my gifts, through my leadership, through my insight, through my talent, through the way I look. All that is for God's glory. And I'm here to show you what it's like when someone worships God alone. Because it's one thing to sing, but do you know you can be worshiping the, God, the, the, the song God? It's one thing to audition and have a resume, but you can be worshiping that job. And you are raised up to show that job that you are not worshiping that job. But you are worshiping God in a job. And there's a difference. There's a difference. There is a difference between opportunity and worshiping opportunity. And so many of your peers are struggling, hungering for the next and now. And what I'm calling you to is to be living out that spirit of Elijah in an Adonijah generation. Where everyone is around you, hungering and thirsting to be seen. And you can say, I'm already seen. I'm already known. And I have a high calling. And this is on all your lives. And this is a part of all your opportunities. Look here in 1 Kings 18. And we're going to see how Elijah gets raised up. In 1 Kings 18, it says, And many days, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine, listen to this last part, the famine was severe in Samaria. Two things to understand. These people were worshiping primarily the storm god, the god of rain. So God says, how about I not make it rain? He takes away the rain in order to show that God is the one who is actually in control. 
Later in the book of James, it'll say that Elijah is the one that prayed for rain to stop, that there would be no rain. And in order to convince the world that God is the one actually over the rain and the crops and the storms, God would raise up Elijah. And this story will eventually end with Elijah praying for rain, and it would rain. Church, know this. In order for there to be repentance and for the people of God to worship God alone, he raised up a prophet, not an institution, not an organization, and not an army. He raised up a prophet. What is Elijah's background? The Bible doesn't tell us, and I'm so glad. We don't know where he came from. We don't know about his mama. We don't know about his daddy. We don't know about his organizational skills. And we don't know how he came to be. All we know is that all of a sudden, Elijah shows up. And I want to encourage you for wherever you are right now. If you follow God, he can catapult you in a second. Where the current season you are in within a second can all of a sudden change. And you will say, I have no business being here but you'll know that God placed you there. Just, I just want to encourage you, whatever season you are in, within a second, people will be like, where'd you come from? And you, you will walk up into any room and know it's God who placed you there. God is a God of catapulting people who aren't ready, but they've been listening to him. Elijah comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden he begins to say, what thus saith the Lord? 1 Kings 18, 3 and 4, it says that Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. This shows you how Jezebel had not only set up the destruction of Yahweh's people, but she was setting up the destruction of all their prophets, all the leaders, and she was killing them. And so Obadiah actually hides prophets in caves and feeds them. This is almost like terrorism that was happening in the land. Jezebel wanted the people of God and the prophets of God cut off. But God raised up and Elijah. Many of you have experienced right now not only church hurt, but many leaders, many people in your family that have failed you spiritually. There are churches, there are institutions, and there are all types of spiritual decline happening in our society right now. There are people we've depended on, people we've listened to, and people we've trusted that have failed us. They have been cut off, but God always has a remnant. He will always raise up someone or someones in a time to call the people back to God. And if you are going to walk in a spirit of Elijah, it doesn't matter about the people around you. And it doesn't matter about the people that failed you. The question is, is God good? 
Because if he's good, then we proclaim him in a generation that may be walking away. Don't go along with the drift of the culture just because your friends say no to God. You still say yes. We cannot let the wave of culture move us away from the God we love. Elijah stands up in the midst of people having what we call synchronistic religion, where they're having Yahweh plus Baals. Elijah's raised up as a prophet. And so we see in 1 Kings 18, 16, Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And so basically Ahab is telling Obadiah, hey, let's, let's go look for some water because there's no rain out. And so they go look, and all of a sudden, Obadiah ends up running into Ahab. And so Ahab would eventually go and meet with Elijah. If you read the story, Elijah tells Obadiah, you know, go to Ahab and tell him I'm on my way. But he's afraid because all these prophets have been cut off. But eventually he goes and talks to Ahab. And in verse 17, word has gotten out about Elijah and who he is. And notice this in verse 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? Now, Elijah ain't done nothing to nobody. He's up there listening to the Lord. He's been praying And all of a sudden, Ahab, the king, calls him a troubler. Troubler in the Hebrew essentially means you are responsible for the calamity happening in our community right now. You're the biggest problem we're experiencing. And if we just got rid of you, and we've tried to get rid of all these prophets, if we just got rid of you, we'd be a better place. He says he's a troubler. And I want to encourage you that Elijah has done nothing but prayed and his prayers have been effective, but the perception of him is a troubler. If you are going to walk in the spirit of Elijah, you can't be friends with everyone. Not everyone will speak of you well. Persecution is part of the call. And I want to encourage you that to live for God, if you're really going to get involved in ministry and help people know God, you've got to accept the ministry of misunderstanding. Jesus himself fed, loved, blessed, killed on a cross. And such will be us not in maybe in the same demonstrative way, but persecution is part of our call. Loving God's people but being considered a troubler is part of the call. Ahab says, look at you, you troubler. And in the same way, much of our ministry is diminished because we long to please people more than we long to please the living God. And we want to be seen and loved by everyone. 
And I just, I'm here to tell you, don't stop loving people. Love people really hard. But just know you can love people as hard as you want and it still can be misconstrued as something much different. This is our last Sunday here, so I might as well put it all out there. Amen? (laughs) We did everything right in this building. And when I say everything right, we did everything right. They asked us, turn the volume, take away the drums. We took away the drums. They said, turn the volume down. We turned the volume down. They said, do it at this time. We did it at this time. We did everything right. And then we started to see that there was this anger towards us, even to the point where they kind of stepped to me outside. How many of you know I worship a living God? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I'm going to tell you, boy, I was going to backslide and have fun doing it. But, but we did everything. And so let me just tell you, part of the reason why I was so frustrated wasn't because I was in the wrong. It was because I was in the right. Frust- it, there's a different type of frustration when you've done everything right. When you've, when you've tried and you've been like, uh, and, and you know, you're trying to, I love God and I want to be all nice and kind and I'm changing my, the pitch in my voice and I'm completely acting different than I really, my because my flesh is inside me like, let me handle it. I know what to do. <laughs> and I'm trying to do everything right. And there's something, I, I just want you to know, Jesus did everything right and got killed on a cross. And I just want you to know, do not think misunderstanding means you're doing something wrong. Because your entire story, the entire story about you becomes misconstrued and you were doing everything right. You you read the Bible, you tried to do the right thing, and it can become misconstrued. And I just want to encourage you that even though a story can be misconstrued about you, never forget who the author is. Never forget. Never forget. Because God's authorship over your life has to be stronger than the stories about you. Let me say that again. God, who is writing your story, you've got to be so locked into the fact that he is a God of adventure and he's a God of sometimes not even speaking in ways you thought he would. You've got to be locked into his voice louder than the voices that are looking against you, that are speaking against you. And the more prolific your ministry becomes, the louder the voices will be and the more misconstrued the stories become. Never let a misconstrued story stop you from living for God and telling God's story. Ahab says, you troubler of Israel, And in verses 18 through 20, here's what he says. Elijah says this to Ahab. I have not troubled Israel. You have. And your father's house. Because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal 
and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab went to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now, I want you to understand, this by Elijah is such a powerful moment because what he's saying is, let's test your God. And not only does he say, test your God, he says, get all of your prophets of all of your idol gods. And you, one thing you have to understand is the way that idolatry worked is you would have an idol and the idol was considered strong and their strength was understood via location, meaning the certain gods had a location that they would have their strength built out in. Mount Carmel was the place that the Baals and the Asherahs were most prolifically worshipped. So what he's basically saying is, let's go right to where the Baals and the Asherahs are worshipped, where they're the strongest. Basically, he's like, I'm going to give you home field advantage. I'll give you everything. No, no excuses. Verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, listen, so now the people hear about this. They go up to Mount Carmel. They hear there's going to be a showdown between Yahweh and the Baals. They're so excited. And they come up. And Elijah then addresses the people. Because this is what Elijah actually wanted. It wasn't about Baals and Asterisks. It was about getting the attention of the people of God. And Elijah would say, how long, listen, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal then, follow him. Watch this. And the people did not say a word. What a confrontation. He's there at Mount Carmel. He's got the idols and the prophets, and he's in front of their prophets, and he's in front of their idols, and he's right there saying, God will be worshiped alone, but I want to encourage you, if you love Baal, then give your whole heart to Baal. Don't play back and forth. And notice He's saying they're vacillating. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They were worshiping Yahweh on Sunday, but Baal on Monday. Wow. You know, you talk about these Baals and Asterisks, and you're like, look at the people that day. I think they're better than us because at least they call their idol an idol. At least they honestly said, my idol is career. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I've been here nine years. I've been ministering for 20 years, but specifically here in this city. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen be in this space and say they authentically love God, but the pressure from their career slowly diluted their worship. I've known people who literally love to worship, but they told me, 
Pastor, I can't be at church as much because I got to practice. I know people who they, they begin to dilute their, their love for God because I got to audition. Say, Pastor, I, I've got to interview. Pastor, I've got to get ready. No, 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 you don't see me as much anymore because do you understand the pressure I feel? And I'm not getting away from the pressure and I'm not saying don't audition and I'm not saying don't do these interviews, but here's what I want to encourage you. Just know there's a chance that you're not just practicing music, you're actually worshiping another God. And maybe you're not just practicing dance, maybe you're dancing for your God. Maybe you're showing your theatrics for your God. Maybe, just maybe, it's not just about your career. Maybe you found your identity in that career. And maybe you love that career so much that you're willing to sacrifice that career for your affection for God. You say, never me. I can't say that because I got Facebook. I got Instagram. No, and I mean this by this. I scroll and I see people who used to be right up front. I see people who just used to be just, I mean, on their knees like, oh, God, all I want is you. All I want is you. All I want is him. All I want is another relationship. And all of a sudden, you see them go a different direction. And it all started slow. But it always started slow, and it was started in exclusivity, and then they started moving to addition. And it was God plus. And I challenge you in the mighty name of Jesus not to live with God plus, but to live with God alone and to worship him alone. And you'd be quicker to sacrifice career and things within your family in order for you to show and display a love for God alone. And so this moment happens and Elijah does this thing in verse 23 and 24. It says, he says, let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood, but put no fire on it now. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put it on the fire to it. And you call upon the name of God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he's God. And all the people said, it's well spoken. Now, I don't have time to go into this. But if you notice before when he said, if you love Baal, follow him. If you love God, follow them. If you notice, it said the people didn't say anything. They're like, oh, that's a tough decision. But when he said, the God who shows fire, that's the God to show. The people were like, oh, I like that. I like whoever shows me, you know, the thing I need. Like, yeah, whoever puts stuff, something on display, we follow. I like that idea. Notice the people needed a miracle and a sign. This shows how far they've gotten. Just, just want you to know, if you're putting God in a box where he's got to show you one more thing, there's a good chance you're straying away right now. Because he showed us something 2,000 years ago. And if he, needs, if he needs to show you another thing, there's a chance you're distracted. Whole nother sermon, another day. So, so, so then, verse 25, then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, now, choose for yourself a bull and prepare it first. 
for you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire on it. So he's like, this is the moment. Verse 26, and they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh, Baal, answer us. So they're waiting for fire to come down. But there was no voice and no one answered. And it says they limped around the altar that they had made. So these people are like, come on, Baal, you got to show us your stuff. And then at verse 27, and I, I think I have this Elijah spirit here. He says that at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, <laughs> look at what he does there. It. So notice it says at noon. That means that they have been doing this in the morning and all of a sudden at noon, and he's just kind of waiting there. And then he says to them, cry aloud for he's a God. So they're like, cry. He's like, cry louder. Maybe that'll help. He said, either he's musing, meaning he's just kind of think, maybe he's just got like, maybe his mind is wandering or he's relieving himself, meaning he's in the bathroom. Now this, I'm not encouraging you to repeat these words, but this is the Bible. Amen. So like maybe he's musing, maybe he's relieving himself. They said, or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and you got to wake him up. He needs to be awakened. And so what they do, they cried aloud and then they begin to cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances until the blood gushes out of them. And as midday passed, they raved, meaning they were enraged until the time of the offering of oblation, meaning they were giving their offering and sacrifice. And look, but there was no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. One of the ways you could tell that it was their God was the depth of grief when they didn't get what they wanted. I've seen two people audition, both not get it. One walk away from God, one start worshiping harder. I've seen two people interview. One didn't get it, the other one didn't get it. One walked away from God, the other one began to worship harder. One of the things that is an indication that something is your God is when the blood starts gushing out. When you can't get what you want and the pain is so deep and you see within folks a depth of angst and rage, your emotions often tell you who your real God is, what you really want. And God loves us so much that he oftentimes will keep something from us to keep our worship pure. God allows this moment to happen, to put himself on display. The people cry out. Elijah mocks them. And then in verse 36, it says, and at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. Answer me, God. And what did he say at the rest? So that people would see me so that I can have a platform, so I could be elevated. He says, answer me that this people may know that you, O oh Lord, are God. 
and that you have turned their hearts back. Elijah says, do this, send fire down so that people see you. I want people to know that I'm your servant. And I want fire to come down because of you. And I want to encourage you today. The book of James reads this way, James 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And eventually at the end of the story, he prays for rain and it rains. And the book of James says he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah was a man like us. And he prays for rain and it rains. And what it says, he prayed fervently. Do you notice that Elijah only wanted his position and platform so that people would know God and that people would see the Lord and that God would be glorified. And so the fire comes down and everything is consumed and the people eventually worship God. Church, God has called you to be an Elijah generation amongst all these Adonijahs, hungering, thirsting to be seen. But God will raise you up to glorify him, to be a troubler, and to be the one that shows that it is God who has given you position. And it is God who wants to be glorified. Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was flawed, just like us. Elijah had moments of doubt, just like us. But Elijah prayed, and God exalted him. And it's my prayer for you, that God would position you to give him maximum glory. For some of you, maximum glory is behind the scenes right now where no one sees you, no one hears you, and no one knows your voice. But for others of you, maximum glory might be a platform position, a place that is seen, and a place that is exalted. Would you be mature enough to say, God, I want, you to, I want to be where you get the most glory? Would you be mature enough to have that prayer? Or are you saying, I got to be next? I got to be like them. Oh, I see her. Oh, she, she not as good as me. Oh, he can't do what I do. Are you so hungry to be seen that comparison is defining your everyday journey? Or are you saying, God, wherever you want me and wherever you will be most glorified, that's where I want to be. Would you stand with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, be glorified. Be glorified in this temple. Be glorified 
in the earth. Be glorified in this moment. Jesus, be glorified in wherever you position me. For the safest place to be is the will of God. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.